it's August 14th, 2018. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Libraries, Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here with Christine Halevich, correct? And uh, so Christine, how long have you been in Greenpoint and how did you get involved in community organizing, community uh, outreach? How did you get involved? Um, it, I came here in 72, 1972, I'm an immigrant. I came with my mother to visit her sister, not to visit, but she she was the one who actually invited us. So we didn't have all of these immigration problems, but you know, we came. I came to this neighborhood, and one of the things that was interesting to me is that everybody, well, you know, like there were so many Polish people. Like when you walked around the streets, people would help each other. They would talk about work and this and that. You, you would stop somebody to help you and they would help you. So it was really a, a nice place to live. But at the same time, there was a woman named Irene Klementovich who's still, um, she was really involved in the environmental issues. And one of the issues was um, uh, the incinerator, closing the incinerator and the new hard, uh, uh, you know, factory where she forced them to put some um, different uh, filters just to make sure that you know the community is free of all these chemicals which as we know didn't really happen but she forced them she had a group concerned citizens of Greenpoint and basically this is what how it happened I went to the meetings and I have you know taken interest in this issues and from then on, it's just a history, you know, you go from one issue to another and and because you live in a neighborhood, you really want that neighborhood to be um, to be better and to be what it was. And what really bothered me throughout this whole thing is the fact that this was, as I said, a neighborhood of Polish immigrants. Uh, many of them didn't vote or couldn't vote. I couldn't vote for the first five years either. After five years, so when I took the test, you know, passed it and became an American citizen. But you can't vote uh, before that. And the city decided that because it's an immigrant neighborhood, we can dump everything. So you have the largest sewer treatment plant. You have all of these transfer stations here. You have uh, the, you had the incinerator who was never working at the par. It always under consent order, which meant that it emitted chemicals into the air that were supposed to be corrected, but they never did get corrected until it got closed in, I think, 1994. And that was Irene's group's really uh, work. So uh, it really bothered me that these people are working very hard They've made this their, you know, their home. Not only their home, but they also, um, I don't know if you can understand that, but everybody at that time who came from Poland uh, had family in Poland, and Poland was really communistic, and they had nothing over there. So you would scrunch these dolls, and you would also share with your family in Poland, so you made them better as well. So people were working very hard, and I felt that they were really abused. Uh, you know, we had the largest plumas, you know, the oil. I mean, that's basically how you, you know, right now we're sitting together and and the money that comes to this is basically from that, right? 
but um, but that's what happened, and that's how I got started, and then it just, you know, went. I became. Uh, my mother-in-law had a house at the time, so she ha she went to an organization that was called uh, Greenpoint Property Owners, and um, I went there too. So I learned some stuff from over there. I we used to come there too, and other people that were owners trying to learn the laws and something. Then I bought a house. So. And then um, Grace Aliotta, who was a great leader in this community as well, passed away. And somehow, I don't know how that happened, but I became the president of that organization. And it just kept on going. Then we set up GWAP and all. You know, it just just works like that. Right. And, and you worked in, in some housing advocacy as well, correct? Well, I've been always, uh, when, when we were doing the... Um, Rezoning, right? I always advocated for affordable housing. I mean, I don't think there was a difference between being an owner and you know, and, and being a good landlord and having also affordable housing for the community. So I also, so I always stood out with notebook and development and saying next at those meetings and tried to push for more and more affordability, and not tall buildings and and you know the percentages that. We didn't really get what we wanted, but you know, it, it that's what we were trying to do. So that the people, not only the, the people that are lowest, and uh, people that are sort of not a middle class, but somewhere around there, uh, could still have an apartment, right? Because if you're not making anything, you can't get an apartment either. Because if you're very, uh, you ha you're making very little, you don't qualify for anything. If you make a little bit above, you don't qualify. But yet you need to qualify because, hey, you need to live something and you want to have a family, right? So we were. So I was always on the, on those fringes trying to advocate for the city to give us more of a, you know, affordable housing for all. Right. So, cause, and it should be mixed. I really believe that what the city did years ago when they put all of the um, people that had no housing into those developments. And I think it just never worked. That's why they're all falling apart and there is nothing. And you have NYCHA who's totally falling apart and lying to everybody and keeping people in horrible conditions. Because I think if they were mixed incomes, it would never happen. And we're, we're, we are getting some of those more in Greenpoint. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a lottery winner of an Oh, congratulations. That's great. So. Yeah, you're the first one I met. I always try to see who I who's got, you know, did anybody win that? Bring it, make it affordable-ish affordable in Greenpoint. Yeah. Good. So Perfect. It, it, happens. it happens. It does. And I'm glad. I just wish there would be more because it's really not enough. Right. Well, how do you see it now as far as we are getting a lot of affordable housing in the, in the neighborhood and, and the waterfront certainly changing with mm. that and because of that. So how, how do you see the, the, the future of Greenpoint right now? It's really changing. The, the, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm sometimes torn between the old Greenpoint and the new Greenpoint because it's the old Greenpoint I see myself and, you know, living like in a village basically you know i knew everybody on the block they knew you i remember this older lady she passed away now but she lived across the street if i left her i always tell people if i leave my lights on in my basement mary calls me christine you're <laughs> you gotta shut off your lights don't waste electricity 
I love that. You know, it was just so cute and so, you know, neighborly. And if some character was walking around and working, there was somebody who walked in from some kind of, you know, one of these homes and say, hey, can we help you? You know, do you need help? Sometimes people didn't need help, but sometimes, you know, they just figured, hey, this is, so all of that is going, right? On the other hand, what I always wished for is the access to the waterfront. That has been completed, right? So that has been really, that that is, given to us by all of these different, um, you know, waterfront. And that was part of the fight that we had when we were doing the 197A, as well as the rezoning. Can you tell me a little bit about the 197A process? Uh, it was a very long process. Um, we basically tried to develop a plan for Greenpoint and Williamsburg as one, and then after a while, uh, it just wasn't going anywhere. And um, it, it just, there was so much tension and so much like, we want this, I want this, this. Then we decided with the council member at the time, Fisher, uh, that it's best to break the plans into two. One for Williamsburg and one for Greenpoint. And that's how it happened. And then we worked on this one and um, you know, it. Some of the things are there, you know, in the zoning, but many of the things aren't. And and the problem that uh, it's always the real estate, right? So it's the the cities and the developers' excuse that I have to make money and I have to make a lot of money. And you know, at some point, I understand them because the investment is great. So we all know in a capitalistic society, the higher the investment, the higher the risk, the more the return, right? right. And this is exactly what has happened on the waterfront. Mm -hmm. The waterfront was bare, uh, you know, a lot of it, some of it was really um, contaminated. And so they were taking risk, which I didn't think was that high of a risk because when we were fighting, the power plant that was um, that came here with Adam Victor. Before that, we kind of decided to build one, but that took us only two months to be. But Adam Victor was proposing eleven hundred megawatt plant right there at Bayside side, right, and that took us long. So the way we did it, nobody could see at the beginning who they were going to use. So I took everybody for a tour of um, the waterfront and basically we went and I took them inside I was able to some owners allow me to go in and to see the view whoever went with me from the you know from the city and the state government when they looked at it it was done they realized this is in the waterfront for power plant this is not, and, and I have to say that Mayor Bloomberg totally uh, went with the community and helped us because they, he didn't allow them to use the water. There was also, we were lucky enough that they were bidding for the um, Olympics at the time, mm -hmm. and so they thought that they could use that for the Olympics. So the zoning happened, and we didn't get the Olympics, but we did get 
we didn't get the plant either. So <laughs> for us, it was a big win. And um, so they building, as you can see, as tall as they can. And even, I mean, if you spoke to Katie, Katie is having a fight tonight. Even she just she emailed me. I read the email right before you came, and she says, "Christine, come in and sign on to this." And uh, but we uh, we had you know this. Uh, I know, I'm said, so sorry. I planned it on a community no. board night. I didn't, I didn't realize because I don't go to all of the community nights now because I am like it's just too many. I'm trying to really back off a little bit mm -hmm. at this time. So um, because. There were proposals to use certain benches, certain way of doing things, certain pavers, and all that. And now this um, developer is not doing it. So she's bringing it up to everybody's not and saying, hey, but as you know, anything could be adjusted. Anything could be changed in the city. You can get a waiver for anything. So we will see what will happen with that. I'm just happy that it's still open space and not a housing <laughs> development, right? That's, that's my point. But um, I don't know if you can find those pavers and... Benches. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh, in my opinion, I would love to have everything unified, but sometimes differences are a little bit different things are actually good. Because when everything is so unified, it looks like, you know, you look from one side to the other one and you see nothing different. Different, And I understand that they wanted the shore. That is a big deal because they made it very hard. And I don't understand um, why they did it. I have no idea. I did not go to any of the meetings to understand them. <clears throat> you know, what was their reasoning? Because I would think for their tenants, they would rather have a reproof than a, that's... Well, I'm just looking across at Hunter's Point. You can see right. exactly what we should have. It's very, I am confused there a little bit, you know. But since I haven't been involved in that process, I don't know how it came about, whether it was something that... Because sometimes, you know, the edge doesn't give itself... You have to rebuild it. You have to basically put uh, platforms and stuff to make it riprap, And maybe that was just too expensive. Because they build in buildings that they are renting and stuff so you would think that you know from their point of view you would want to make the best open space around your buildings as you can to to get more money right, right. so i don't know what the problem there is but those you know this is how this neighborhood has changed and we i feel that we're going to have two cities two green points there is going to be this green point that's very tall very at the waterfront, and then we're gonna have the old timers here in the back of us. And I said that the old timers are gonna to have to really keep on fighting for, we just got a big win with uh, council member Antonio, right? For the uh, garbage. garbage, right? That We fought for that for I don't know how many years. I can't even, I, I don't even remember. But it, he, together with Steve Levin, they had both um, been able to, you know, push this through. Which, I, is, which is the reducing the reducing the uh, the amount of garbage. So basically, it's not really reducing. It's so if a, a transfer station is permitted to fifteen hundred tons a day, right? 
but right now it's only doing 10. They'll take the other five away. So it's not going to reduce much of anything, but it's not going to be able to increase much more. Mm -hmm. That's what it is about. But I don't know. There was some, some stuff about MTSs and things, and I haven't read that yet. So I don't know what the, you know, what the whole bill is about. So I can't comment on it. But I, that part is like amazing part. Um, it's, so I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. There's going to be this old green point in that. And, uh, I personally right now work as a community liaison for the Kosciuszko Bit. And um, the state is willing to look uh, to see what could be done underneath the bridge. And what would you hope to be under the bridge? I would hope to be what you know what we are looking at an open space, and we've gotten a hundred thousand, also gotten a hundred thousand dollars for the study, and let's hope that that works out, and it will be a great addition of open space for the community. Uh, because the reality is you're not going to get open space anywhere else. No one is going to tear out a building and give you an open space. Mm -hmm. But those are the only things, that the commercial kind of open spaces. And I think if you program it right, I think you'll be able to use it. I feel that people would come. Well, people are desperate for open space. Right. Tell me a little bit about your work with the boat club. Well, I am sort of like an honorary boat club member. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's kind of funny because um, there was money available for, you know, environmental uh, stuff. And um, we, Dewey uh, Thompson, and I looked, you know, first of all, at doing the boat club in um, GMDC building. And we've put a lot of work into it. And it really backfired terribly. Uh, GMDC wanted us to sign a lease. And in the lease, they said that we can't have any assembly of any people, like, you know, even 10 or 15 or classrooms or anything like that. So with the way this lease was written, if you would have read it, you would have realized that the minute we start working in there, we will be um, basically evicted for non-compliance. Mm -hmm. And that work was supposed to be 50, uh, over $5 million. And so we said, we tried to negotiate. We brought everybody to the table. He wouldn't negotiate. I don't know what happened. I really think that at the time he had... Um, the, the director had some problems, family problems, and I think maybe that had impacted his decision-making process or something, because I just, I don't know why he did what he did. So, as you know, my daughter works for uh, Broadway Stages, but I know them way back, and we, uh, I was sitting, and Tony showed up, Somewhere and I said, ah, oh. he says, what's the matter? I says, I'm so pissed, Tony. We have this money and we can't build a boathouse because this guy is totally crazy. He says, I have a small property. I can give it to you. I says, what do you mean? Where is it? So he told me where it was. 
So I called Julie and I says, "Hey, Julie, can you call, can you even see if this was even because I don't nothing I don't do boating, so I says, could you take a look at it and see if this is even possible? Right? There was, it was all filled with all kind of different stuff, old machinery, car and and tires and who knows what." So he says, where is it? So I said, right on the side. We went over there. I showed him where it was. He says, this could do it. So I says, come on, let's go. Let's start. I'll call Tony. Let's talk to Tony. And that's how it started. And now we are in the middle of nothing. And we're really having a hard time now because Tony wants to build. But there is this change. We need, if we want to build a commercial boathouse, we can do it as of right. But because this is a non-for-profit, we need a change of zoning that would cost $250,000. And Tony is like, hey, I can give you this, but I'm not paying for that. It's just becoming, it, so he would build, we would give them only for, the, for building the, um, the structure, right? And the inside, we set up, uh, I think a million and a half or something, I don't remember exactly. And it would, he would give us the deed. So basically the boat club would own that. Right. And they would have classrooms, two, it's two stories, two or three stories we would have, where at the bottom would be the storage of the boats and the top would be offices and, and uh, clubs, the, um, uh, for kids, all kind, like a lab and boat building uh, thing. And so now, Dewey and I are trying to go forward with this for the past three years. And we really, everywhere we turn around, we hit a, a big, big, um, like, you know, a stone or, or I don't know what's going on. I said to him, I, I really asked him, I'm so tired of this already that you have no idea. Dewey's been doing such a great job. He's now pushing me because I used to do that. It was the other way around. But now I'm just like <laughs> So he says to me, come on, let's go. Let's get a meeting. So um, hopefully we will push this through and we will build it. And that, that, is, that would be great. Will you continue to persevere? Well, I guess. But, you know, in this respect, I'm so annoyed because we've have the council member who wants, who said yes, the I brought in the borough president, yes, the the uh, assemblyman, yes, and we can't build. It's like you know, and I said I am going to talk to the mayor now. I need to get an appointment with him because we need something that's called a zoning certification. So basically, we can build that as of right, but we need also a piece of paper saying to us that we can build as of right, and that takes an hour, a year and a half, and it costs a lot of money. I says, why do we have to spend money for something that is as of right? It's crazy. The only person who can actually say, yes, you can do that, you can do, you can do it without it, is the mayor. I says, we should go and ask him. I mean, this is non-for-profit. This is for the community. Why wouldn't you do that? I could understand if you're changing the zoning, right? That would be bad. Because you can't just, but this isn't. This is just just a little piece of paper saying, yes, you can do it as a break. Why do we even need to go and get that? Like, it just doesn't make sense. If something is within the law, 
what the law prescribes. Why do I have to have the, the, whoever? The, state, the city should have given me that for nothing, never mind asking me to go through all of these rigorous malls for a year. Right. It just makes no sense. It's all because we are non-for-profit. You would think that because you are non-for-profit, you would be helped and skipped some of these things because you're doing it for the betterment of the neighborhood. It's the other way around. Well, I'm sure you've dealt with a great level of bureaucracy in all of your work. So. Yeah, yes, but it's just never ending. Right. right. That's the problem. Well, <laughs> what, are, what, do you, what are you currently working on now that, that you're fired up about? Uh, I mean, I really, I, I, I'm trying to finish the podcast underneath the, uh, really the, the, um, Kostushka, but I'm hoping that that's going to become the real, right. real, you know, open space. And, uh, That'd be great to have that, space. Yeah. And that part of the community yeah. is, is every part, but right. definitely you need know, space. I also worked for 15 years for the DP at the Newton Creek Monitor Committee, and there we built the first phase of uh, the Nature Walk which you, you know you can go on to and that is great that was also a big push because a lot of people felt that this was industrial area and they didn't want it and the way the law was written the only way we could get this one percent it was within next to the plant so we couldn't take that money let's see and build it on the plant park somewhere else it had to be done somewhere close to and there was this piece of land that was left over after, you know, when they designed the plant. So we said, okay, let's make a park. And so there were some, there were a lot of people that were against that. They didn't want that. And, um, you know, as a liaison, we, in the group, the Newton Creek Mountain Committee, we really tried, you know, tried to push and basically succeeded in, in you know, uh, supporting DP and building this and they build it and it's now we have two more phases that are going to be built actually I have to call them up because we were supposed to have an opening for the groundbreaking for phase two in August and nobody has called me so I'm gonna have to call them up and see what happened to that one but yeah it so it will you will be able to as you're walking in on Provost, mm -hmm. you can go all around and you can walk out on Kingston Avenue. Oh, so to go past yeah. Whale Creek and... That's right. Mm -hmm. And you walk out and then, you know, you can go up, uh, up there, mm -hmm. you know, to that beautiful um, garden that's on top of the, the rooftop garden. Kings and, and wildflowers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is also part of the um, oil. It's uh, all tied in. Yeah, it's all tied in, and it's it's kind of wonderful because, um, so uh, the Riverkeeper has come to this community, and they've been involved in Newtown Creek and everything else, and and they've known that there was a lot of oil, and we were looking into it, and we we're looking into the fact that it was, you know, all going into the creek, right? And so what has happened is. Um, they were, um, they started to check and uh, in the industrial area to see whether there was anything protruding through and as it, as the, it happened. 
it, there was. Mm -hmm. And so that's how the lawsuit started, the private lawsuit and everything else, because they brought that to the attention, brought in lawyers and, you know, got people signed on and, and they, they got the suit. But that was also, before that, we pushed the Attorney General, right. <laughs> who is actually that guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's now a, a governor, but I, I remember sitting in his office and saying, hey, we're not going to just let go. We need to get something for the community. And so uh, the Riverkeeper, myself and three others, uh, I brought them in. And, and we really pushed, and that's how this whole settlement was negotiated. And that's how we got the 19.5 million dollars and I went into the attorney general general's office they told me that okay we got this and then um, I said this has to be an open process and community process I said I'm not going to do any it's kind of funny because uh, when um, we talk to Peter Washburn he tells people that I scared him that's why the process is started <laughs> so he says that's so it was kind of, you know, of course he's joking, but he knows that I was really pushing for an open and, you know, a process where I was hoping to have a one project that would be a um, legacy project, and that's what the library is. So uh, Dewey, again, was very instrumental. We've talked about him. He was very instrumental. He had a couple of people that he knew in the library project. We really tried to, you know, push and, and do this because I thought that if the library can be built, it's like a basis for this community, for these kids from all the schools to work with the labs and stuff. And then Newtown Creek Alliance together with Boathouse could have, it could be like a network of things and, and kids could learn different things in different areas or be brought up into the library and, and have a great resource with the computers, with labs, with everything. It, it's so much, you know, kids can learn so much and exposing children to things at a low, you know, uh, at, you know, school age is very important because they can choose. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a technician. I want to be this because they, they can see things. So it's really great, so that's why. So I'm so happy that the library is happening. And then when you look at all these other, I mean, the Wildflower Project, I think it's great. It's, it's working, people are going out there and having fun. And, and you know, there's many other projects that have been going through and, and you know, succeeding and being successful. So I hope that people appreciate that. We actually, um, when Peter Washburn, together with Nifrif, had counted, they said that the 19.5 million turned into, I think, 65 million. Oh, so, mm -hmm. there you, you go. That's what you want. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's the happiness. How do you think, what do you think it is about Greenpoint that is, that we have so many activists, we have so many people who've been, who, like yourself, who've been here for a, a long time, or recently, that it seems like the neighborhood really inspires activism in its neighbors. I think it inspires activism because it has few of the organizations, and it, as I said before, it really 
uh, up to a certain point, the city and everybody else were pushing in all this stuff on. Then people started to wake up and saying, hey, this can happen. And being that Greenpoint is so close to Manhattan, years ago nobody thought about Greenpoint in Williamsburg. You couldn't rent an apartment in Williamsburg. There were f you could have gotten four or five months off from rent in order to rent in, in Williamsburg because no one wanted to be there. Yet you are two steps away from Manhattan. And when Manhattan got filled, all of a sudden the artists, of course, were the first one to realize that, hey, maybe I can go here and be there and here at the same time and have cheap rent. And that's what happened. That's how it all got discovered. So I, I think that's why the activism becomes more and more because people are seeing how, I say it always that up to like the 70s, early 80s I would say, people made this a stop by. They would come in, they would make their money as immigrants and they would buy in Long Island and they would buy in Queens. Um, and in the late 80s, early 90s, I would think, they realized that this traffic is getting worse coming to Manhattan. Manhattan is getting much more expensive. And they started to actually new sightings, renovating the buildings, and now buying the building, renovating, and staying. Okay, and that was the change. And that was the change, the change that made this a home. Not a transient home, but a real home. So when you make it a real home, you are starting to look at, hey, what's going on, right? And you're starting to hear things. So I think that's why we get you know, so many activists here. And as the new people are coming in and hearing about different things that are happening, they are just saying, yeah, I'm going to help them too because I want to live here. I want to make this a home for my kids. And I don't want to live next to... Newhart, who is, uh, you know, maybe, who knows what they had before, or, or this one or that one. So let me become an activist. Let me live here, because I like it, but let me make sure that the area gets clean. Well, is there anything else that I haven't asked you? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's more than enough that you have for me. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. It was great talking to you. You too.